Whoa! It's Amigos, episode 373. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about cannon fodder. Oh! Aaron, have you ever thought about pursuing a career as a mercenary? Yes, I have. Uh, especially when I was younger and watching the A team, because mm-hmm. those guys lived the mercenary lifestyle, and it, it, it sort of looked kind of fun. You know, I wouldn't mind being on the A team or a team like the A team, maybe not quite that good, like AAA. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like baseball, like a single A team, like a Sally. The Sally problem is you, yeah, Sally, Sally League team and the Atlantic Atlantic <laughs> team, but. You've got to have like everyone on the A team had like a, a speciality, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Face Man was like the charisma guy, and Hannibal was the planning guy, and BA was the big mean b- the bully, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Mad Murdoch was the pilot. And so the problem is, I don't have a speciality. I don't think that would come in handy, you know, being shifty. I guess that'd be my special. I guess you could call me like you would be the tech slippery guy. Pete. They, didn't, they or something. didn't have a hacker type. You're kind of a hacker. Well, the problem is I I can't program or do any actual hacking. I mean, I can rip up a dollar machine. Is that coming? <laughs> if the A team going or if the triple A team going a mission where they need someone to stick gum into something to see what happens, I can do that. Well, I've read that if you grew up in the '80s, Soldier of Fortune magazine was popular. Did you ever thumb through one of those? I did. You know, my buddies would buy. You know. When I was at like middle school, especially, people would get the Soldier of Fortunes and the any of the magazines that had like the martial arts stuff, like a, a martial Black arts belt. magazine, or also Asian World of Martial Arts catalog. Mm-hmm. We would flip to that. Was we were more into the ninjas and stuff than we were the the mercs. But mm-hmm. Soldier of Fortune, yeah, you get those, and you'd, you'd see a guy like half submerged in a swamp. You know, right. with like crud on his face. He looked like mm-hmm. Swamp Thing. And he had like a gun sticking out of there. I'm like, oh, I, okay. I don't want to do that. That would that would be horrible. You know, but uh, yeah, it, we passed it around. But I'd much rather be a ninja than a merc. Just because yeah. ninjas could like, you know, throw crap down, disappear. They got mm-hmm. the gimmick that hurt your feet. They wear the cool boots. Well, they've they, got they, sort of pseudo magical powers too. Right, right. We're a, a, like a commando. Eh. They got, but they got the armament and they got vests and crap. They're always big husky, you know, studly types. I want to say that your average commando, like you said, works in a team versus your ninja, more of a lone wolf a lot of the times. Yeah, too. yeah, you know. that's and it really the team aspect would work better for me. Mm-hmm. Basically, like if the A team instead of like having Helen Med Murdoch, they could have like a fairly competent Aaron, the guy that drives the jeep. That could yeah. be me. You like, do have good driving skills. That's right. You know, what, what about you? Did you ever think about going down that path? Um, I really like today I had to hang up a vinyl banner outside and it, it took me about 45 minutes to negotiate the zip ties. Really? So I don't <laughs> Not think a good I have sign. what it takes to become an A-level commando. But if you were going to join like a triple A team, you know, what mm-hmm. would your special skill be? They got to have uh, a guy to play taps and stuff. You could be that guy. Yeah, I although that's musician. not a good thing. To do. If you need a guy in your four outfit to play taps, it's not going well. I People can also call upon me to know random things. Remember how I name dropped Knott's Berry Farm the other night? Yeah, but just you don't know what that boom. is. You just randomly said things. Well, I didn't say there were correct facts, <laughs> but I can I can come up with an answer really quick, no matter the situation. If the team needs a guy to just randomly say something stupid, you're their man. 
That's you're the, yes. you're the master of that. Just something <laughs> completely out of left field. But I, how often is that going to come up? You'd be like, you know how they had face in the A team? You'd be like, I don't know, disgrace. You'd be the guy that just would, instead of charming people, you confuse them and then BA charges with a double axe right. handle. Except dun, your BA dun, would, dun, you'd have Zeus. You would have Zeus them. as your BA. That'd work out great. I could work with Zeus. Didn't this, Zeus just pass away? He did. But just, I'm, yeah. if this is all hypothetical, I could see an A team with you, Zeus, some of your other, the pizza guy could be in there. <laughs> Yeah, he'd have this would be. be quite a team you'd have. You ever heard of? They used to have the uh, the Avengers, right? Mm. Then they had the West Coast Avengers, sort of like the watered down version. Then they had the, like something called like it was like the mid the Mid American Avengers, and these are the lowest of the low. That'd I be like your team. Thing. The Mid American Avengers. It was something like that. Oh it was like the gosh. or the Midwest Avengers. They were the real duds, <laughs> like rolling in from St. Louis. <laughs> what are we right. doing here? Somebody's got to protect. You know, my, you know, you I don't know, Oklahoma land. and, uh, you know, Denver, places like that. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Aaron, let's talk about this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. The Great Lake Avengers. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, so, Cracky. Aaron, I know that you have had this uh, this little bit of news sit under your hat for a long time. You're sort of on the inside when it comes to the Amiga. How do you say it? A mini Amiga. Amiga. A mini Amiga boat. A mini Amiga. Yeah, you're on the inside. You're in the inner circle. I'm in with the in crowd. Yeah, that's right. So I love that song. Uh, do you do you really? Yeah. Uh, this is the something we have been sitting on for a while, but we're I, we can formally announce it here. In fact, uh, I talked to uh, Amy Jimmy. He said uh, unleash. So you're going to love this. And this actually, this changes things a lot in my mind. A mini Mega is teaming up with retro games. The people that make the A500 Mini, right? Mm -hmm. Allow me, if I may, to bam, that little, that little uh, item. And they are sponsoring a contest uh, in uh, conjunction with the mini Mega uh, uh, in uh, light of the new version of a mini Mega that will be coming out. It's in beta right now. And it's the Mini Mega Wallpaper Competition, right? And again, mm. this is officially endorsed in collaboration with Retro Gaming's Limited, uh, and which is that's a huge deal. Think about that. I mean, they're putting their uh, thumbs up on the Mini Mega project, which is, I mean, that, that takes that, it out of the mean, realm yeah. of like some guy into the realm of like they endorse this awesome thing. Exactly. This is this is sending the message that if you're going to put a uh, front end on your Amiga Mini, it should be a Mini Amiga. Yeah. I, and so anyway, they're having a contest uh, to design some wallpaper for the next version, a Mini Amiga 2 uh, version 2. And so the dates on this, it starts today. Uh, and he's got this dated uh, the 20th. So this is we're actually start we're actually dropping the uh, ball on this early, dropping the date. This will start tomorrow and will end uh, on November 30th of 2022. Okay, so this mm. runs from October 20th, 2022 to uh, November 30th, 2022. Design wallpaper. First prize will get you a A500 Mini. Not bad for just making wallpaper. Yeah. Uh, second and third prize will be uh, full copies of a Mini Mego on high on, on a USB three uh, stick, which they will provide. Fourth place will be a set of uh, floppy inserts with the Commodore logo. 
for the Mini Amiga, which is uh, being sent over by Retro32, who makes those. This is sponsoring this event. And fifth prize will be a set of inserts for the uh, Amiga Mini uh, without the C, uh, the Commodore logo. So I guess you're on the fourth prize, you get two. On the fifth prize, you just get the one. Again, uh, sent over by Retro32. Uh, I think this is dandy. Uh, all the contributions uh, that he gets are going to be included in the uh, new version of Amiga Mini, so you'll get to have your get your choice of wallpapers. Uh, he's got a list of rules here. You can check this out on aminimiga.com uh, and Amiga aminimiga.com forward slash wallpaper. We'll link it at the bottom of this thing when we post it. Uh, and he's got some ideas about what you could say in this and words you can use. Uh, and that, what they're looking for in terms of the technical uh, side of the wallpaper. Uh, and, uh, of course, the contact information on where to send this wallpaper. So, again, this is a minimiga.com. Uh, it will take you to where you need to go to find this out. The contest is great. All right, uh, It's dandy. But, like I said, to me, the big news is that Retro Games is getting in on this. And I'll tell you, when he, when the Amiga Jimmy, when Amy Jimmy told me this a couple months ago, I literally, I, I couldn't believe it. I fell out of my chair because this is not something that happens all that often where you are basically doing what you effectively would consider. I'm not going to say it's a hack, but the, the uh, Mini Amiga, what, uh, the, uh, the A500 wasn't necessarily built for you to go into workbench, you know, and, and do all the stuff you can do with that. Uh, a mini Mega, and so clearly they saw what he was doing, and they were like, "This is awesome, let's endorse this," and that's what mm -hmm. they've done. So the endorsement to me is the big news, and the wallpaper contest, which is great, is sort of the second secondary big news. So this is great stuff. I did a video on I've got a beta of a mini Mega version two. In fact, I, I use it all the time, and I really, really like it, uh, and. Uh, someone called me to task a couple weeks ago on picking up an Amiga Mini a while back, and I felt like I was obliged to do it, Bo, because we talked about it for so long, you know, whether it would be real or not. And also, they're they're cool. They're expensive, but cool. But I, as I mentioned to the fellow that called me out, if I'm going to buy one of these, I want to push it to the limit, you know, and get as much out of it as I can, and I think this is how you get as much out of it as you can. So Now, if you were just going to give a, a quick pitch on a Mini Amiga, because there's tons of people out there that are using their Amiga 500 Minis and yeah. are, are happy with it, what do you gain by installing well, a Mini Amiga? Wow, you gain so much. Uh, a Mini Amiga 2 is a, uh, is a bootable image that, that you'll put on your SD card. I've got mine on an external... USB device, and you'll you just you go you boot you go into the uh, A500 Mini, you go into the directory where you would normally run stuff, and you just run the file, and it takes off. And what it does is it loads up a full workbench, and I mean this thing is fleshed out uh, with all the stuff you would want, uh, and the ability to run uh, all the WHD load games you want, all the uh, um, uh, all the uh, floppy uh, images you want and to basically run them with a with a better version of the software that emulates the Amiga on the A500 Mini. Uh, it's got everything short of a network uh, adapter. It's got everything else. I mean, it's top shelf. It runs at a very good clip. I did several streams with the A500 Mini and I've played it quite a bit and uh, uh, it's great. It, it exponentially improves the experience of the A500 Mini uh, and it's free. 
So, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about it. It's, it's, it's a great piece of kit. I urge everyone to check it out. If you go over to AmigaMini.com or check out the uh, Mini Amiga Discord, which you can get to from AminiMiga.com, it's a great piece of kit. And like I said, now uh, being uh, on board is Retro Games Limited, the makers of the actual device. It's I think it's a great thing. It's It, it, may, it sort of renews my faith uh, to a certain extent in these corporations uh, that they're actually reaching out and holding hands and skipping merrily with the local uh, hackers and programmers and people that put the work in to make to flesh these items out bode yeah yeah i agree it's very cool all right aaron our next story comes to us from indie retro news we talked a little bit about this uh, a year ago but there is there are new developments aaron new developments on the street fighter 2 tech demo oh um this is uh you know of course the original street fighter 2 on the amiga had a few problems it was not quite arcade perfect uh, what, uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> you're trying to kill me yeah no it was not arcade perfect correct <laughs> what uh niso games is uh is working on a uh, street fighter 2 using the scorpion engine um and uh, there is, and it's funny because this this is the exact same thing they said last time. They said we have no intention to continue to working on this. That was a year ago. They put out this new thing, and they're like, "While we still have no intention to continue working on it, here's a new tech demo to celebrate one year after the previous release." Yeah, yeah. So they keep making it better, even though they keep saying they're not going to make it better. Well, this is I, I like the fact that they're working on this. Listen, the Amiga got one halfway decent street fighter and that's that super street fighter 2 for the cd32 that has the six button support mm. uh it's not perfect it doesn't look this good but it's playable they they implemented all the buttons and it looks it looks okay this looks more like street fighter should you know just from looking at these videos if they can if they can implement the proper controls on this, I think you could have yourself a. Ha I mean, I think the Amiga can absolutely run Street Fighter. Sure. I mean, sure. It, listen, we just covered Mortal Kombat 2 on our last show. And say what you want about the control scheme on it or, or the disc swapping. But when it came down to brass tacks, the Amiga could run Mortal Kombat 2. And in my mind, Mortal Kombat 2 is a more complicated game to run than Street Fighter. And so, uh, with a few. Uh, concessions, I think you could have a pretty decent Street Fighter. I mean, we're looking at this now, and I'm looking, it looks like it, much like Mortal Kombat, it doesn't have the parallax or anything, but I mean, really, that stuff's sort of secondary to the gameplay. If they can get the gameplay down and looking like it looks here, I think they're on to something. And I think a lot of people would like to see it. Hey, uh, I'm not the only guy on the uh, Amiga that likes fighting games, boat. There's more than just me. We want yeah. some action on this, so I fully endorse this. And this Scorpion engine uh, I, I love this thing. It thinks getting stuff done that I want to see get done. So I, I applaud their efforts, and I hope they'll continue. I hope they get enough inf uh, uh, feedback that will get them involved to keep going. Yeah, or hand the project off to somebody that is interested in developing. Because, I mean, it's not like they haven't done anything. They've come a long way, Yeah, and somebody might be able to build on this in the future. Yeah, I, I endorse Niso Games. I hope you. I really hope you guys actually keep going with it. Because, I mean, why, why quit now? You're on it. Keep going. Our next story, Aaron, is an, another game update, Suveron Soccer. Ooh, Suveron, you know sounding. that it has, it's got one of them umlauts on it, on the, uh, over the A. Yeah. That's how you know it's going to be great. Is if that what those are called, umlauts? Yeah. Holy smokes. What I did you think that. they were called? I don't, little thingies. I don't know what they're called. They might not be called umlauts. I don't oh, know. That's, that's pretty good, though. You had me going. 
I think there's there's something called an umlaut, but I don't know if it is the stick over the note or if it's the two dots. Yeah. Or it's the woo. Look how fancy that screen looks there. It's a very hackery, a big Yeah. Yeah. So check this out, Aaron. This is uh Sulervan Soccer 37. This was uh this was demoed at Amiga 37. Oh, okay. You know, this is there's a lot of uh, a lot of game news going on here. Um, because Amiga 37, you know, was such a big event yeah. and, uh, there were so many games that sort of, you know, everybody was out in their bright colors. And so what do you think about this, uh, this soccer game, this perspective, Aaron? Are they actually, are they, we're watching a video here where two guys are looking at this. Are they playing each other? Yes, because they are playing each like other. Like on two different computers. Now that's, uh, that is awesome. You know, yeah. I recall looking at this early on. Mm-hmm. Back, I remember we looked at this. And we were like, "Oh, I don't know about this." Remember that? And yeah, now, but yeah. now that I look at it, of course, you're, we're looking. Over, it's over the shoulder. Uh, uh, it looks like it might be fun. The fact that you can network it up looks pretty cool. I mean, it looks like it reminds me of like an old uh, NES game, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Boat. Well, it, I mean, this looks better than an NES game. This because of the way that the perspective is shifted. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of. There's a new trend in Japanese role playing games where you do this. It's like this 2.5D where everything looks like a cardboard cutout kind of. Yeah, and you've got these various layers of 2D images kind of stacked on top of each other, like a living diorama, if you will. Uh, and so, um, I you know, I'm not the world's biggest soccer fan, but yeah. I'll play some sensible soccer any day of the week. And if they can bring that kind of gameplay to this unique perspective, uh, I'll be all about it. You, you know, know reading, it reading the blurb here, it says the, the developer describes this game as a super formation soccer like game for the Super Nintendo. Have you ever played that on the Super Nintendo? Super what is form- it? Super formation soccer. No, I have not played that. It also says this is compatible with a uh, Amiga AGAO 20. 14 megahertz so pretty much a 1200 will play this uh mm. hey I, i'm looking forward to it listen i like i like a good soccer game as much as the next guy so yeah, yeah. i'm down yeah uh we've got uh one more game story that uh debuted at amiga 37 aaron uh this is uh the, i guess the last time we heard about this was back in 2018 a, an Amiga game called Aquabus. Ooh. And uh, this is a, a game that is set in June 1821 in which you travel from Paris to the French coast and visit the very depths of the ocean to discover what lies underneath the surface. Uh, this looks like a pretty interesting game. Uh, it doesn't appear to be in English, which is uh, oh, oh, uh, unfortunate. Well, look, I, it's hard to really tell. That looks actually. it looks like it's, English to me. Well, there are some words that don't look English. So that's oh yeah, was, like all that. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Is this a a point and click type deal here, Bode? I believe that this is something akin to uh, remember that that game we played about the with the train snow piercer. Yeah. Um. That's not the name of the game. That's the name of the movie. Yeah, the yeah, I know on. what you're talking but, about. Uh, but anyway, it kind of reminds me of that, you know, where you're 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 on a submarine instead of a train, but it looks like you are managing various aspects of life on the submarine. Uh, according to uh, Indie Retro News, it has inspirations based on games like Pirates, uh, Frontier, and Freelancer. So um, this is, uh, you know, if you are into that sort of like sim type uh, life game. 
Uh, you no. might want to check this one out when it becomes available. I was just thinking, looking at it, because this looks really complicated. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure our, the Amigos Game Selection Committee are tripping over themselves to they get this on the list to make the second this is yeah. released yeah. to get us into it, because this is what they like to do. Now, <laughs> this looks, I mean, it does look very well done graphically, Bode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, really so like that, the pixel art. Uh, yeah. It looks great. No word on when this is coming out, but uh, it is still in it's still in development, so yeah. check it out. Very nice. I love it. Man, there's a lot of good stuff coming out eh yeah and finally aaron we have to share some pics from uh, amiga 37 i went on the old twitter yeah and checked out ravi abbott's account ravi is he's large and in charge everywhere you go everywhere there's amiga ravi is yeah and uh him and listen, bill man, they're always there you want, you want proof positive that the amiga was a non-factor in the united states check out some amiga conventions check out some pictures from some amiga convention stateside and then compare them with where the amiga actually mattered and you get Amiga 37. Is that a this personal burial of, of the gills? You're killing Doug. The gills with people. Look yeah. at it, Aaron. Well, yeah, look, at, is, look at the faces. I even see a girl. I mean, what are we talking about listen here? To you. It's crazy town. This was a this was a big event before the pandemic. If you'll recall that the the, the last one they had the big one in Germany. This mm -hmm. was a huge big deal with all the new hardware that was uh, the news was breaking and stuff. And so I knew I was like, I wonder what this one's going to be like. And uh, it didn't disappoint. Uh, it, it's a, it looks like it's a, quite a gathering. I'll watch. What, a, what a what a venue too! It looks like an old brick uh, warehouse that's been sort of repurposed into something awesome. I don't yeah. know if that's real. There's like chandeliers and crap. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I uh, uh, we I know we had some people that went and some people that would like to have went uh, to it, and uh, you know it. They, they, this is a huge deal. And I remember the last time they had one of these big ones, like it made, it was so big. It like made the news. That was like a mm -hmm. huge deal. Right. right. So, and keep in mind, I know you were just being a, a jerky earlier, but the conventions and uh, the Amiga based stuff, like there's always that huge thing in Canada that gets over that, you know, so that's that uh, Retro Rewind's a part well, of that, up that's there. That's the world of Commodore. Right. That's a, that's a big deal. Commodore's well, so much bigger than the Amiga. Give me a break. And also, uh, we, there are, you know, shows here that are growing at a at a rampant clip, uh, yeah. boat, including Both I know a, huge. Amy West is getting ready to start. I think they're they're gonna have to draw big. I think the pandemic, if it did anything, it made people long to get out of their houses and get with their friends and do this stuff. So, uh, the coming out of the pandemic, I think uh, these conventions are going to be overflowing. I think it's dandy, and I, I hope everyone had a real good time over there. I didn't hear a whole lot about. I didn't hear a whole lot of news coming out of this like I did for the last one, the big one. Uh, but uh, I'm sure we'll hear something before it's all said and done. But yeah, this looked like a real happening. I watched some of the streams. All of the people you would expect to be there were there, but yeah, that's yeah. For sure. And like I said, all of those, um, all of those games that we just talked about, they all kind of had, uh, you know, uh, Amiga 37 debuts. But you're right. A lot of times you do get some really big um announcements and uh this one seemed like uh you know there wasn't there wasn't anything earth shattering announced at amiga 37 and we should mention that this is this isn't on the list here but we'll mention this because you're you've been a fixture there for a couple of years uh they are prepping for the uh amiga ireland That's event, right. which by yeah, and also ireland. another event that was really getting big uh, right. I don't know. I, did they move back to their old venue this year? Is no, that what I are, heard? They are still they're still at the Sheraton, which oh, is where they were in in 2020. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that is coming up in January. So as that event approaches, we'll make sure and uh, keep you uh, keep you abreast of anything going on. And uh, also reminders: if you're lucky enough to live in Europe, uh, you can head on over there and uh, and live it up 
in Athlone. What uh, I, what year I, did you go last? Was it twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? I went in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. That's right. So twenty did they have it last year? Last I don't remember. Year, I believe it was a virtual event. Okay. That's I that's think. what I thought. So yeah, what did you so. think of the venue? Uh the second venue, the one the last one you were at? It's huge. I mean, it's really, really big. It's a lot. I mean, it's not nearly as big as Amiga 37. That's yeah. that's massive. But that, uh, but I it, it's a it's a very good size space. And it's perfect if you're the kind of person that really wants to go there to learn, if you want to take the the courses and the lectures that they offer, yeah. because they're sequestered off in a separate space. And it's really, it's 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 definitely conducive to learning. Uh, then, of course, they've got the big social hall open, too. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's it's a great venue. I wish that I would have stayed at the Sheraton. Uh, a lot of my problems from with Amiga Ireland came from the fact that I stayed at a, an Airbnb place where it was just people were just crazy all night couldn't get any sleep and it's hard to function in my normal cheerful capacity uh when when i haven't slept well. you like a good night's sleep uh, I, I know you do now wasn't the uh just to close this out was uh, the second one you went to near that ancient bar that you they were uh, well athlone is a very small town I so see. both both places were near the ancient I see. bar how what was what's the west virginia equivalent coal miners lounge no no i don't mean the bar i mean the town no. Oh, uh, West Virginia equivalent would be somewhere like Bluefield. No, wait a minute. You're equivalent. You're equivalent. <laughs> this ancient, ancient, awesome tavern with the coal miners lounge. <laughs> no, where we I saw the little meant... people wrestle. That's where well, you... I don't I mean, see that. Coal miners lounge is somewhat historic. It is uh, for what? Yeah. The binge wrestling. The last beer joint on that side of the road between here and Milton. You're burying this place. We don't really have any historic taverns because so many we've you know historically West Virginia has been a dry place officially, and yeah, so um, there you, you go. Know, we don't really have the historic tavern going for us. I can't even think of anywhere in Charleston. Like, what's a historic bar in Charleston? I guess you got like the Empty Glass, the Blue Parrot. Yeah, that'd be it. Those are all that's junk though. You know? There's... Do you know what's uh? When speaking of historic boat, do you know what's making history each and every day? It's our good friends up north mm, at RetroRewind.ca. By the way, I bet they've got some awesome killer taverns up that way. Oh, yeah. You know, Heck yeah. getting some of that Labatt blue or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there will be no Labatt drinking in the hallowed halls of RetroRewind.ca. And why is that? Because they're busy, busy up there repairing Commodore products, TRS-80 color computers, uh, and they're doing it like no one else can. Why? Because Frank up at Retro Rewind and his staff have decades of repair experience. Top shelf, top level repair experience. Do you have a Commodore product that needs a good recapping? I saw a video this week and they said, listen, if you haven't got your products from the 80s recapped, you might as well write them off. They're done. That got me scared because I don't have anything hardly recapped. So I got to get on the ball uh, and get with Frank because I don't want my stuff to just all the caps to get all nasty and destroy the board. I keep seeing yeah. this stuff over on Chris Edwards uh, videos of, of all these mauled boards. Don't let this happen to you. No, Contact Frank at RetroRewind.ca or get get uh, off your hiney and do it yourself if you've got the jack because you can go to RetroRewind.ca for all the top-level repair parts you need. You need a cap kit. Frank will send you one out, and it's not just some caps that he bought from some schmo down at the uh, Hillbilly Flea Market. These are the best caps on the market. Uh, these are endorsed by all the big players. you got to go here to get where you know you're going to get the best stuff. Now, on top of that, 
He's got diagnostic ROMs. He's got SD card solutions. He's got accelerators, Boat. He's got everything you need to enhance your experience with your Commodore machine or your TSA color computer. I think RetroRewind.ca is a surefire bet, Boat. Yeah, and if you use promo code AMIGOS10 when you check out, you can save yourself 10% off the already low, low price. That's free money. That's free money, Boat. Good God almighty. We thank Retro Rewind, and we appreciate them being an official sponsor of the Amigos podcast. Absolutely. Let's talk about cannon fodder, Aaron. You ready to get into it, brother? Let's Let's do do it. it. This one, it's been a while, hadn't it, Boat, since we had a look at cannon fodder. This was back before we even did videos at all. Uh, as we look at this as an, in our rewind this week, uh, this is one of the games I can definitely say we both played <laughs> back in the day, yep. so we've got that yep. going for us. Uh, but uh, for people that aren't uh, um, familiar with it, Cannon Fodder released in 93, but way back, and uh, produced by the fine folks at Sensible uh, and published by Virgin Worldwide. Uh, this came on three uh, flopperoos and was something of a legend, uh, a, a, a huge game on the landscape of Amiga. Uh, this was, of course, worked on by the, the folks over at Sensible, including uh, Julian Jameson, uh, who coded this bad boy. Uh, he did a, He's worked on a few things, like you may have heard of, like Sensible Soccers, Sensible Golf. Uh, he did a boxing game book called Seconds Out. We should try that sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, the graphics on this, uh, Stuart Cambridge, he worked on many of the above titles, so, so sensible, the sensible titles. He also worked on a few others, Cyber Cop. He's also, uh, he's most famous, uh, contemporarily known as the artist behind uh, RMC's retro coloring book. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. I totally forgot about that. He worked on a couple other games, including Execution of Feudal Lords. Uh, the music on this, the legendary music, which you sort of alluded to uh, when you opened the show. Uh, John Hare, uh, who, among other things, he did all the Sensies, the Megalomania, WizKid, uh, and the sound effects on this, uh, the uh, very well-traveled Richard Joseph, He's done tons, including work on the Chaos Engine, the James Pond series. And, of course, who can forget his efforts on Rise of the Robots? Mm. I should mention, just for fun, that uh, the ports of this game, and I will talk about the ports in a second, but uh, the uh, Super Nintendo, the uh, Mega Drive slash Genesis port, and the Jaguar port were musicked up by Alistair Brimble, another one of the show's oh, favorites. Okay. So I thought I'd mention that as I saw him float by in the credits. Uh, this game was surprisingly ported, surprisingly, because some of these systems that baffled me when I saw that the ports were there. Uh, our good friend, the Acorn Archimedes, of course, uh, the Atari ST. Uh, these are ones you would expect. Here's the ones I didn't expect. The 3DO, for example. That surprised mm-hmm. me. The Jag, the Atari Jaguar. That surprised me. Uh, the Super Nintendo uh, surprise me, although it does, in, in fact, support the mouse. I don't know if you ever, you ever used the mouse on the Super Nintendo boat. You know, I played a lot of cannon fodder yeah. on the Super Nintendo, but I never used the mouse. Did you, have so. you ever use the mouse on the Super Nintendo? Yeah. Wait, is the I mouse any good? For, 
pretty it's fine really I mean, it's a yeah i used it for for mario paint yeah i, and, I never uh, i've never even touched it i don't know what it even you know how it feels yeah i mean it's 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 an old computer mouse yeah of course dos got a port uh genesis and the one that uh struck me as the really strange one out of the group the game boy color got a port of this yeah boat. that that did shock me yeah that, that was one. a real that was a real about that yeah i was real surprised by that so what the heck is this game uh boat can cannon fodder well sensible when they decided they were going to make this game they were looking to do something different non-sports game and so they thought they would go in a different direction and so they had made a megalomania and decided you know we could probably use some of this engine some of the sensi soccer engine to do some kind of, they would do some kind of overhead you know the sensi way with the little guys running around so they took out their colored markers and started writing up pictures and stuff. That's the way they worked over there, if you can believe it. And they worked out what they wanted it to be like, and uh, then they went to work on it. So th they designed their games in a, in a much different way than a lot of people uh, would uh, would uh, design a game. And they took aspects of some of the other things they did, and th and they crafted what if what became uh, Cannon Fodder, which is a military game. Uh, in which you lead a squad of varying numbers uh, through the game to try to fulfill uh, missions, uh, objectives. Uh, sometimes the missions can be stuff like uh, kill everything on the screen. Sometimes it's blow up buildings, uh, stuff like that. Um, Boat, as this thing booted up, of course, I knowing you'd seen this uh, before, uh, how does this strike you when it comes up? The, the opening, of course, is very... Uh, well known with their song, uh, uh, it's a very uh, stick in your head sort of tune. The little still shots of the of the guys in their military outfits. How does this all get you when it comes up? Um, this is, I mean, everything about this game is memorable. Yeah. Um, that you very rarely get a full, real, fully realized song at the beginning of uh at the beginning of a game on the amiga yeah. i mean a lot of times you get your euro dance trash where it's like the bass line comes in and then the melody comes in and then the drums but it's i mean it's really just it's 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 not a real song i like that stuff this is a real song this is like a, a song that you might hear on the radio yeah like, yeah i mean um and the it's combined with the uh you know a photo slideshow of the uh the the sensible team it reminds me a lot of the music video of the beastie boys sabotage where they're all dressed up you know the beastie boys were dressed up as cops like yeah. some of these cops these guys are all dressed up like 50 soldiers the one guy that they uh, i can't remember who it is but they they he's known as elvis he really does look like elvis I mean, it's it's a striking resemblance. You know, um, I was I was looking into that opening. Uh, and by the way, just a, a couple of tidbits since you're talking about it, and I'll let you get back to it. That opening is the only that's the only thing that supports officially the CD32 video FMV pack. So if you will get the CD32 version of this, if you want to see that opening, you have to buy the incredibly rare FMV pack, and it was the only thing ever released that supported it. Kind of weird. Mm. I also read that they hired a news cameraman and they went and bought those uniforms and rented the, uh, that tr the truck and some of that gun stuff. So this, this was also, they did, a, they, they actually sort of kind of semi planned this little, I don't know what you call it, a movie or opening. Mm -hmm. And then basically screwed around. That's the, right. 
that's that's the video. But I like they did sink some money into it. I mean, well, listen, a couple hundred this bucks. Is, this was this was sensible, probably at their height, at their their financial height. Yeah. So I mean, when you get big and you have some money to throw around, why not rent some military uniforms and some cars <laughs> and hire a photographer to take funny pictures of you? They didn't that's spend that did. much money. Three hundred bucks, probably in the whole enterprise. And look how legendary it is. It's amazing yeah. what you could get for that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will tell you, as somebody that grew up playing the PC version of this game, I never knew about any of that because they replaced all of that stuff in the uh, in the CD-ROM version of this for Windows with a pre-rendered 3D montage of humorous cutscenes yeah. of, uh, of soldiers meeting their doom. And so whenever I play this game, I always think about that. Um, 3DO and, uh, had a very... The 3DO had a combination of both. They had hmm. the stills of the guys in their outfits. And then they had this sort of computer generated, you know, of the era, like uh, animated thing with soldiers. It was real wacky. So they kind of wanted to have both for whatever reason. It doesn't work. One of them, one of the little uh, scenes was like a guy was like, Oh, it's a cute little cuddly toy. And then like, he picks it up. And the other guy is like, he notices it's actually like a bomb and a teddy bear. He's like, no. And the guy's like, Oh, and then it's like, yeah, and that, it's, uh, you know, so. that's the yeah, same video it, in the 3D. I think it's the exact same one because okay, I'm pretty sure that's okay. what happens in there. So anyway, the uh, you know, the game starts up and there's no lengthy exposition. Uh-huh. You don't have to read a freaking novella. Um, you just jump right in uh, and you see, uh, you know, you get your first mission. And uh, this game is a top down uh, real. I call it a top down shooter. I mean, that's essentially what it is that incorporates some strategy elements. It is a, it scrolls in all directions. And uh, your job is to take a squad of soldiers uh, through enemy land and accomplish certain missions, most of which involve blowing up buildings and destroying the enemy forces. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, that's pretty much the, it. This game isn't deep. It, the, you no. go and go to work. Now, uh, uh, this game is mouse driven and you probably, I, th- I know for me, I think the first time we played this, cause I went back and listened to my review of the original time I played this. I don't think I got this. I don't know why, because I now going back now. It's as easy as pie. This, this game does a lot of stuff, right? All right. The very first mission, kill all the guys. You've got a three guys. You walk out the, the enemy standing there. You shoot them. That's the end of the mission. That's the way it should be. This thing holds your hand. And on each mission, they get it gets they add a little something. It gets a little bit harder. I like the way this ramps up. Uh, this controls almost in like a Diablo style. That's what it reminds me of, where you basically click on the screen where you want your head guy to go. Now you can split your guys off, uh, but a, a lot of times you'll have them together as a crew, and you go out and. At least I I don't know how far you got into this. I got to I think I got to like level six or seven. Oh, you uh, got further than I. Oh did. yeah, yeah. I had a real good run, boat. And uh, up to that point, uh, you're, you're you're at first you'll start out okay. You just kill guys. Then you have to learn how to use grenades, kill buildings, using grenades and missiles. Real simple. You just uh, in the upper left hand corner of the screen, you see a grenade and a missile, and you just they'll have a number under them to tell you how many you've got if you have any. When you're ready to use that weapon, you click on the grenade, and then when you uh, when you normally would shoot a character by hitting the right mouse button, you know, on this one you just hold it down, hit the other mouse button, he shoots off the grenade. It's that simple. It's the, the controls on this are drop dead simple, and that's the key to it. A game like this, they could have went too far. 
okay? Uh, the, and the missions get more complicated and, and, and the landscapes get larger, but the control of the thing never changes that much until you get in the vehicles and stuff. But even then, it's not that bad. But the ability to just take your guys, lead them around with the mouse, the control was precise. If there's a box you need to get that has grenades in it, you just click on the box and your guys will go over to it. Now, if people are shooting at you, or someone throws your grenade or something, you may want to alter that route. But, I mean, otherwise, they'll go to where you point. That's what you need, precise control in a game like this. You really have to have incredibly precise control to go around some of the areas that are booby-trapped or have quicksand. Uh, you'll have to be very uh, careful as you guide your guys around the perimeter of these of these areas. But the, And if the controls hadn't been as good as they are, these would have been game killers but the controls are so good you can easily guide your troops all through the map with any problem the map scrolls in a very gentle way you can take your mouse and sweep around the uh the screen and you can see the map will sort of scroll with your mouse so you can sort of see what's going on over there so you also have a full uh, level map that you right. can access anytime, which is also useful. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're going to get to, and the, it depends on what kind of area you're in. If it's kind of mazy, a lot of them are. It's nice to get that overhead map. But I really, I didn't use that map all that much because I found uh, going through it not that difficult, at least up to the up to the sixth level. I didn't find it too difficult to navigate through. And you know me, I get oh, lost I all the time. I got lost tons of times. Well, there's a... I don't know, man. I was just in the zone boat. Yeah, I'll be honest yeah. with you. Um, the game has a lot of... This game had a, had a very interesting birth uh, or release in the UK because uh, uh, originally uh, the box of this game had a, a red poppy on it, which is sort of the symbol... Uh, of the, uh, I don't know the exact outfit, it's the, but it's the, the World the War One, yeah. And so this has very, it's a very symbolic, uh, you know, uh, respected symbol for the for the war veterans, the dead people that passed away in war. And so this game, using that as its uh, original cover, it it made some people angry. We're not going to get too far into this controversy, but. Uh, enough people got angry about it that there was a there was a uh, uh, controversy about it, and ultimately they ended up changing the covers. But the the poppy is still in the game. The screen is in the game, and this game sort of the sort of the rep of this game is uh, it, it it's supposed to show you how futile fighting wars are and how silly it is, and they do this in ways that are unique to this game. Uh, when you start the game, you'll see a big line of people come across this mountain and down this path, and they'll let three guys in, and that's your first three guys. And then every time you lose guys going forward, they just let more people out of this line of guys come in. But you start noticing gravestones on the hillside where you're, the guys that died that right. you were playing are like, dead. It would be like if they had if the Army Recruitment Center made you walk through Arlington Cemetery right. on your way there. Yeah, on your way to the battle, like right. literally. Right. And so... And then whenever you finish a level, whatever guys got killed, there's a roll call of the dead. It shows them, and it plays this real somber music. And so I think the game... Listen, I don't know. I think sometimes this this whole thing gets overplayed a little bit. But I, I do think that, that they had this in mind when they made the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't think it's a huge... I don't think it was ever a huge deal. Uh, but, I, you know, it there is something to it. And it adds a different flavor to this game that makes the game even more unique than it already is, this aspect. Because you do sort of feel bad 
It's not like you just got soldiered. It's not like they're lemmings, where if a lemming falls off a cliff and dies, it, it, who cares? It's a lemming. But if Fred falls off the cliff, and then every time you go to that screen, you've got to see Fred's headstone up there. I don't know. You feel kind of jerky about getting Fred killed. So it makes you want to protect your your outfit as much as you can. Uh, so you, and, you know, and also you have a limited number of guys as you go through the game as well. What was your what was your take on the gameplay and some of this extracurricular stuff? Yeah, you really hit on um, a lot of the the same points that I wanted to bring up. The control in this game is perfect for what it is. Um, like you said, it's got very Diablo-esque control where you're clicking on where you want to move to. Yeah. And that makes this, the strategy of the game, uh, you know, it makes it easier to sort of accomplish what you want to do strategic-wise. Um, I will disagree. I think that you... I don't know. I didn't get that far, but I could already tell I, I got to like stage five and I could already tell where there were going to be places where I might want to split up my guys. But I mean, we're watching a guy play mission 10, right? Or level 10 right now. And he's still keeping his guys together. So maybe yeah. you're right. I never did it hardly, but you can, you can, if you want to, yeah. and I guess it's almost like an insurance policy too, where it's like, you don't know what you're walking into. So you're going to leave one guy behind just in case things go well, south. I, actually, I heard the opposite. You would have a guy go scout. And then oh, that way okay. you know where stuff's yeah. at. I never did sure. that. Of course, I sure. also used auto save stuff too. So that yeah. might have changed my <laughs> changed my tune on it. But um, this game, you know, I, most of the time I'm gonna you know be harsh on a game for not having in game music. But I think this is one of these games where the sound effects really carry it, and there are enough musical interludes that you don't miss having the music. Uh, you get music when you start a mission. You get music when the mission is done. Um, and of course you have the, the, the famous intros and then in between you kind of get the sounds of the jungle. You get, you know, yeah. the, the rushing water and insect sounds and things like that. And of course, whenever you're shoot your gun and you watch a guy bleeding to death, you see, you see that. And, uh, one of the things that, you know, always sticks with me in this game is that you, the, sometimes when you shoot a guy. You know, he'll just sit there and he'll bleed. He'll twitch on the ground and he'll bleed. And it's very visceral for a game with such small sprites. They manage to convey a lot of emotion. Yeah. Uh, maybe emotion is the wrong word, but sort of the uh, sort of the uh, the sort of brutality of, of yeah. war. Um, and it, I can understand, you know, talking about the controversy. Whenever you make a game that does have satirical elements in it, some people are not going to get the satire. Yeah. And uh, and I I can understand why you know the, I can imagine the British Foreign Legion, which ostensibly were World War One veterans yeah. who were you know aged at this time, World War Two veterans, uh, they probably weren't playing a whole lot of video games, uh, and so uh, I can understand why they made the, the the decision to take the the poppy off. I know the poppy is a big deal in the uh, UK. It's almost the, the sort of the same as the flag here, where it gets politicized, which politicians are wearing the poppy, etc. And so, um, but, uh, but yeah, th this is a classic, it's an all time <laughs> classic game. And that's not something that I say about a lot of the games that we cover on Amigos. This yeah. is, this is a game that is totally unique. It's totally playable. It rewards repeat play. It's got, I think, you know, I read a lot of reviews on this game saying that the difficulty curve was too steep. Yeah. I didn't find it to be that way at all. It's funny uh, like you should you mention that because mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't get to, I didn't play 10 hours of it this week because we're on a short week, but I played quite a bit. And I, you know, I'll get frustrated pretty easy, if I'm honest. And we've played some games. I just got finished playing Glover, for example, mm -hmm. on ARG. And I was at the end of my wit, I was at wit's end in terms of my frustration level. 
And so this came in, and I actually, and I don't like the controls of Diablo. I'm not a big fan of Diablo. But this game, this time around, man, I just got into the zone. And it, it it's just one of those times where it hit me. This yeah. is fun. I see yeah. what I'm doing here. And listen, mm-hmm. I've got a theory on this because I was the same way. Yeah. Uh, I came around on this game in a major way because I don't think that I gave it a stellar review the first time around. I didn't go back and listen to our old episodes. It was a pretty generic was... look at it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got farther playing this week than I've ever gotten. And I've gotten more enjoyment out of it. And what I what I think is I think that, you know, since episode 30 or whatever, we've gone on to play 330 games. We've probably got a little bit better appreciation of what makes a game good and unique because we played so many more games since then. Yeah. And I was able to really kind of think, man, this is doing something different. This is doing something cool. And it's never really been repeated. I mean, there is cannon fodder too. Yeah. But apart from that, uh, there, as far as I know, there's never really been another game like this. There was a game released on Steam under the Cannon Fire uh, moniker, but apparently it's horrible. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got a theory too on why I like this more, and I think you're dead on. But also, man, back when, when we first started this show, it was such a hassle just to play the games. Yeah. There was no SD yeah. solution. There yeah. was no easy way to hook it up or save states. We didn't have any mm-hmm. of that stuff. There was no 8500 mini. And so it's just easier for me to get set down and just instantly be playing. I, mean, I think that's changed my attitude on a lot of stuff without having to have load times and stuff. I mean, we do live in a golden age of being able to play these golden age games in a, in a modern way. And I think that's Absolutely. a lot of fun. But you're right. I've got a better feel for the way some of these games operate. And this game is just, I can see why they it was praised so much because it is fun. I didn't think it was too hard. I mean, if you consider... This game has 24 missions, and some of the missions have multiple phases. Right. And so, according to what I read, this had 72 levels. That's a good set of levels. Some of these levels are over in a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of them. Some of the levels go on for, say, five, you know, maybe seven or eight minutes, and, I, and later on, who knows? But that's a good chunk of levels right there. And it they what they do is that as at least as far as I went is they kept adding little things not just little things with the soldiers but little nuances like adding quicksand like the first time I stepped in that I was pretty surprised mm-hmm. the booby traps mm-hmm. and th- they did some real cunning things with the booby traps they would booby trap areas you'd never go to just so you'd think you needed to go there that's clever right. you know right. stuff like and that I also appreciate whenever you blow mm-hmm. up a building yeah uh, parts will fly off randomly well and you you have <laughs> have to uh you have to you know get out of the way and uh and you see the shadow of the roof yes. fall down like wicked witch of the west style <laughs> and your guys and are like also, ah. <laughs> and it's hilarious i mean sometimes and the, and the thing about this game is too when you die when there's a, a tpk yeah uh, you are uh you know it's it's boom it's over it says mission failed and you're like well yeah that's true i just got crushed by a roof you yeah know? I've, I had that happen a couple of times, and it was infuriating, but it is sort of funny. It is sort of and funny, yeah. Th- when this game ends, you're back in the action pretty quick, too, mm-hmm. which I which I like. Uh, in fact, I'll be honest with you, Boat. There are only a few things I have to complain about, but I do have a couple complaints. Um, you can be killed off screen, uh, which, I mean, or, by someone who is just literally, if you, if you scroll there for a split second and there's a guy with a missile launcher, mm-hmm. he could kill your whole party, and you'll never know what happened. There's one level uh, uh, where you start on this pier, and you could in like the first three seconds you can be killed if you do the if you move the wrong way. So there now that's that's the level. That's what they're teaching you. Here's what happens. But I mean, it's still 
any game that starts you on a place where you could die instantly, I don't like that. That's always an irritant. Uh, those are two minor complaints. I found the game, the path thing a little weird with your guys sometimes. Yeah, sometimes guys would get left behind or get yeah. hung up on stuff. Yeah, and sometimes if like you're on a cliff, for example, that's understandable. But if you're, but sometimes just going around in the woods, you have to kind of move your guys in certain ways uh, to get them to follow along. So it's just pathing. It's, but it's not. I never found it to be crippling, you mm -hmm. know. But it, it, but it is something uh, to to look at. I noticed a couple glitches uh, in the version I played, like real, like just guys that like you couldn't shoot that would just be there. I couldn't tell if they were floating down the river or if they would, but I hadn't shot them. I don't know what they were there for, but I couldn't shoot them. I didn't know. So Are that you was sure weird. those were guys and they that wasn't like seaweed or some sort it of looked aquatic like, plant? It, no, they looked like men because they would occasionally you'd see them kind of swim or, you know, oh, I don't okay. know. But it was weird. I saw a couple times I saw that. But I mean, again, these are minor uh, quibbles with the game because. Uh, this one is great. And I also want to mention, you mentioned this briefly, the uh, the music in between scenes is a haunting song uh, that plays whenever it plays the, uh, when it plays your death, your the guys that have died, and it's and then you go to the hill. That's a real good piece of music they put there. Uh, I, I that I, which you know it's not something I normally notice, uh, but I noticed that this time. I thought it was really good. Um, just to sum up a few things. Uh, uh, this got re this reviewed quite nicely, uh, Boat. Um, this uh, has a lemon score of 8.81. It's surprising to me. Now, you know, we just, me and Brent played Mortal Kombat last week while you were out. Mortal Kombat had a, a 7.93, I think, something like that. So th they're saying that this is only a point better than, less than a point better than Mortal Kombat 2. Now, I like Mortal Kombat 2, but I think you're grossly underselling this game by having right. it in that ballpark of 8.81. The magazines were kinder. Uh, this is one of those games that got pretty much great reviews across the board. Amiga Action 94, Amiga Computing 94, Amiga Down Under. I don't think we've talked about that before. 95, Amiga Format 95. Even Amiga Joker gave this an 85. They had everything. Um, <clears throat> Amiga Power 94. Total average magazine score, according to Lemon, uh, a 93%. That's got to be amongst the highest uh, we've seen. Uh, the reception to this was off the charts. Amiga Format reported that this sold over a hundred thousand units, uh, and so I don't know—I don't have a time frame for that, but just that alone—that's a lot of units back in those days. Um, in 2004, uh, Retro Gamer voted Cannon Fodder the 61st top retro game. Um, it was—I <laughs> love this. What a, this is a great uh, accolade. Cannon Fodder was included in the 2011 list of best violent video games of all time by the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> uh, that's pretty strange. Uh, and Total ranked this the 31st game in our top 100 Super Nintendo games. That mm. was interesting. So apparently this yeah. did, uh, was pretty popular on the Super Nintendo. Uh, of course, this also was included in the games you must play before you die, as a lot of the good games are. Um did we get any Discord action on this boat? We did. We did. Lord Soup writes, The excellent, sensible software at the height of their powers again. Simple to learn, but a fierce challenge. Strong anti-war message, yet brutal, funny, and poignant. All with teeny-weeny little soldiers. Yeah. The Amiga is still the best way to play cannon fodder. I loved it then and still love it now. War may never be fun to those in their right mind, but this is the exception to prove the rule. An Amigan's treasure. Deceptively tactical and requiring excellent reactions. A must-have for any Amiga collection, 9.5 out of 10. 
Benz writes, Cannon Fodder is one of those games that when you return to it has lost none of its charm. The opening credits instantly remind you of the sensible software vibe and watching all those roll, watching the rows roll is like putting on a comfortable player of slippers. Mm. I imagine I don't wear slippers. The game takes the point and click RTS genre and strips it back to the basics. No construction or resource management and all action. On the surface, it's a simple game and all the better for that. The controls are simple and easy to get into. Click to move, click to shoot left and right to use the ordinance. In no time, you're roaming the maps and blowing the enemy to smithereens. At the start of the game, the AI seems to be lacking in intelligence. Sometimes they'll stand there waiting to be annihilated. Other times, they seem to be wandering in a confused circle. But as you go through the levels, they get sneakier, creeping through water, hiding in the trees, and even deliberately standing beside boxes of grenades, daring you to try and take them out without yeah. destroying those viable pineapples of doom. There is a random element, too, with large chunks of roof flying in random directions when you destroy a building. Every one of your troops has a name, and this is one of the first games I can remember playing that tried to make me care about my virtual protagonists. The game balances challenge well as you progress. Different types of enemies start to appear, and each terrain type comes with its own dangers. It is a deceptively tactical game, and before long, the White Crosses will start to spread over your hill. But it is so much fun to play that you will want to dive back in after a failure, determined to do better this time. An absolute classic that more than holds its own today, 9 out of 10. And Pajaco writes, Cannon Fodder is not only one of the top Amiga games of all time, but also one of my top games of all time, period. Even my wife, who is not a gamer, has played and enjoyed it. That's how good it is. I spent many hours playing this on my trusty A500, and even though I've completed the game, I still come back to it. Although completing it was actually something of a disappointment because I just wanted to keep playing. Cannon Fodder manages to squeeze in strategy, arcade game play, some very dark humor, and even tugs on the old heartstrings from time to time. I think everyone got something in their eye when they lost one of their trusty squad members after a string of grueling missions. Even though the sprites are tiny, they manage to squeeze a lot of life into them, and the audio is just fantastic. Cannon Fodder can be a tough cookie at times, but it never feels unfair. Definitely one of my Desert Island discs, 10 out of 10. Very good. That's it, Aaron. Very good. Hey, we mentioned that I want to go to it before we move along. Uh, this got many, many ports, both, but the wackiest one that I found was the Game Boy Color uh, port of this. Uh, you know, I read that it was not bad. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how it would... Con I guess you're using the stick to m move the uh, crosshair. And you can see it looks like they've got the crosshair sort of uh, maxed out as to where you can go. But it might work, you know. It's neat to me that this, this got a uh, a release on the Game Boy Color. And this is one that I would be interested in trying. Uh, and I would recommend that uh, the people at home give this a whirl. I did have a look at the 3DO version as well. And it looked interesting. Uh, me and you have had a cup of coffee on the 3DO uh, mm -hmm. from time to time. I read that the Super Nintendo version was real good, and that uh, but the mouse really enhanced that. I, I from what I read, that was one of the uh, red marks against this game is that uh, on systems that did not have a mouse, uh, it was a much more difficult game to play. And when you make a game like this more difficult, you're certainly sucking away some of the fun. Uh, to close it off, Boat, I did have a look on eBay. I can tell you without any doubt that this game was one of the most uh, um, available games I've ever seen on eBay that we've looked at on here. Uh, this game uh, has tons and tons of, even in America, you can get a couple of these. I saw these going complete in box, uh, ranging everywhere from 8 bucks all the way up to 63 bucks. And this is one that really got my attention, Boat. Uh, this game was available more than any game I've seen 
for the uh, CD32 in the big box. That's the hmm. box around the CD. Uh, and these big box CD32 games were, there were tons of them up there. I was real surprised because you don't hardly ever see big box CD32 right. games. I saw these ranging anywhere from 80 bucks all the way up to $150. And if you just want to get the jewel case with the game in it for the 32X, you'll be paying uh, 81 bucks. We didn't talk much about the 32X version of this, except for the FMV. Are you I'm talking actually, about the, C, you talking about oh, the CD32? Me, yeah, CD32. Uh, I, uh, I've played this in the CD32. Of course, what's the? I w- if you've got your choice between playing this with a gamepad and a mouse, I'm going to choose the mouse uh, pretty yeah. much every time. And yeah. so... I'll, that's a. This is a, one of those wacky things that you can, you can port it, but should you port it? Probably not. Of course. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. You should port it because, like, I would have never played it if it hadn't came out on the Super Nintendo. Well, I suppose, but I'm just saying, in terms of, I it's guess, like, if should you, you don't... port an arcade game? I well, no, think, but yeah. I'm saying the Amiga C32 and the Amiga are so similar. I, I, in my mind, I'm just like, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many, I wonder how many people back in the day knew you could plug a mouse into your CD32. I would wonder. That's a good question. You know what? Know. Maybe that's something to look into. Well, we'd have to talk to the seven CD32 owners. Oh exactly. no, actually, it, it it sold. Hey, they sold out of them in the UK, boats. So there's people there yeah, that had them. Yeah, remember the the Virtual Boy outsold the CD32 seven to one. Don't be a hater, boat. Embrace, embrace, my friend. That's all we got, boat. All right. Well, let's see what's going on on the old YouTube channel, Aaron. Not a, not too much on a short week, boat. The only thing we've got uh, to talk about it just 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 drop. Well, us. we, we got to talk about last week's amigos. Well, we well we. <laughs> I'm assuming people that watching this watch that. Yeah, okay. we can talk about it real quick. This last week, of course, boat was out. I will get your opinion, boat. Well, since I got you on here, um, I had the Brent come in as a ringer, uh, and we played Mortal Kombat two. Uh, for the Amiga, and me and Brent both were were very impressed. Uh, I mean, th- does it have shortcomings? Yes. Is it perfect? No. But considering you're playing Mortal Kombat 2 on, I believe it was three or four Amiga discs, uh, and it's pretty good, I find this quite an amazing achievement uh, on the Amiga. I know you were, uh, at back in the day, you were not a fan, but have you warmed up to this at all? Well, yeah, absolutely, because back in the day, I just, I didn't appreciate what was being done. And like you, like you prefaced this, the episode with, uh, you've got to take disc swapping out of the the equation completely. Yeah. Because that, that just kills the experience. But if you can take that out of the equation, and I uh, mean, of course, you're dealing with one button, but it or looks two. great. It looks great. Yeah. It looks great. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys. Good effort. And it was amazing to me that they actually put in pretty much all the stuff that Mortal Kombat 2 has. Hidden mm-hmm. characters, all the moves, uh, all the it has every single character playable. I mean, that's I think they did a great job. And and uh, I actually really had a good time uh working on this one with Brent because as much as Brent irritates me, like you're going to find you're going to be very hard pressed to find someone who knows Mortal Kombat 2 better than him. He's a real yeah. master. Yeah. And I know a little something. So we had a good time with that. But we missed you boat by the way. I'm glad you're back, man. Yeah. Um yeah. the the other thing we got to talk about, me and Brent again, we're taking over boat. Uh we did a little ARG presents uh that just popped uh, as we recorded this today. Protagonist based on sentient animated objects. This was a Rushi a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Remind me to smack Rushi next time I see him. Uh, but this was me and Brent, and we literally took on a couple games uh, where you basically play as something that's not human as your protagonist. 
Brent did a great job. I put him over twice because he picked a game that I really enjoyed. Kool-Aid Man, Bo. Do you ever played this on a 2600? I never played this one. This was always one I heard about growing up but never played it. This is an excellent game. I, I, you would love it, Bo, because it's it's simple It looks fun. like it's right up my alley. It is. Yeah. I also learned, thanks to Brent, that the, uh, the Thirsties here are sucking water out of Kool-Aid Man's pool. Which yeah. that I found that highly amusing. I like the fact that Kool-Aid Man's got his own pool. Uh, and then I took a suggestion of our good buddy Happy Coding and played a game for the N64 that's called uh, that's called uh, Glover. Glover is, I mean, this is an ambitious title. I don't want to give it all away, but the control on this is um, challenging. And I will mm, say that. It looks you, like it. Just have, watching Have it, you ever it played this like before, Bo? No. Had no. you heard of this I remember, one? I remember when this came out. I remember seeing it in the Blockbuster available for rent. But, yeah. you know, you and Brent talked about the, uh, you know, does not ha- having a, uh, a sentience make you not want to play the game yeah you know, if you you don't have and do i want to play a game starring a glove the answer is no no i don't give me at least put googly eyes on the glove and well he has a face a name does well, he yeah he has a face when he just stands there i didn't there. know he had a face yeah well, when he stands like uh, on his fingers he does oh okay. this, this well, game it all back then i do want to play this game. this is one of those games where you see it like we've all heard about it and you were like Eh. and then mm-hmm. you never and this is that game so yeah. when you get to play the eh, and you know you get what you get but anyway, i like this episode i uh i hope i would love it if you would check it out everybody uh that's all we've got on the amigos uh side of things on the stream team we had one release uh this is the happy coding uh home cooking uh speaking of happy who gave me the suggestion uh for the uh for glover this is his continuing uh series of uh of uh, talks on programming for the ZX Spectrum. <clears throat> Again, you're learning tips from someone who I would consider a uh, a top level games programmer on the system. Not just because he put me in the game, just because he's a good hand. We've seen him firsthand sit down and I go to work on this, uh, on programming this stuff. So these are always good. And he just gets in here with some of his buddies and goes over tips, tricks, and coding advice for people as they make uh, uh, games for the uh, ZX Spectrum pretty neat boat and so if yeah, you're that sort of thing very cool check him out uh these are his streams that are taken from his twitch channel also want to mention that uh, coming up i believe it drops tomorrow uh uh you know or a couple days after uh this is going to be the newest uh video from our good buddy 48k ram and he's got a couple great ones coming out uh, i believe the next one is him working on his bbc master 128, I believe, is what he's working on, Boat. Uh, really? So, yeah. Let me tell you something. Uh, I've been watching his exploits and working on this, and they're very interesting. He's a real good troubleshooter. He's a different guy than, say, uh, 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 some of the other people we feature because he's a real, he's more of a, a cold, calculating. He's a very, uh, he has a method to what he does. And I enjoy watching him work. I think it's something everybody would enjoy. And of course, we capture all of 48K's. Uh, streams as well too, 48k RAM. So if you want to see him recapping a Tandy TRS80 Model 100, upgrading his 46, playing demos on his Mac, there's plenty to choose from on the Amigos Stream Team channel. Three words, uh, check us out. That's all we've got, Boat. All right. Well, uh, we are going to reveal, Aaron, what we are playing next week. What are we playing next week? Let's fire it up, Boat. Final Odyssey. I've yeah. never, I've never heard of this. Uh, I was this told is, this is a CD 
joint, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, I don't know if it's a CD32 joint. I think it's an Amiga CD-ROM. It's, oh, okay. So across the board, then. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, never, have uh, you ever heard was, of this? this no, I, no, I did some preliminary research. It's the work of one man. Oh, it's one of those. Okay, well, we'll so, see how it goes. Uh, yeah, but uh, we will check it out and let you know next week. Uh, to play you out today, we are going to uh, do a little something special because of the, uh, you know, Cannon Fodder has such a classic uh, opening sequence. We're going to run the names of our awesome Patreon supporters and Twitch subscribers over that sequence. We hope you enjoy it. This is going to play us out. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will see you next week. And until then, adios. adios. Never, 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 never